certain characteristics in salespeople, and the way to find these sometimes is not by interview, but rather by uh, giving that person a task and seeing how they deal with that uh, task and what they come back with and how they present it. and welcome to the latest episode of Tech Salescraft and today I'm absolutely delighted to have Asaf Cohen join me on the show. Asaf, how are you doing today? You all right? Yeah, very good, James. Thanks for having me. No worries. Wanted to have Asaf on the show. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's the Vice President of Sales over at uh, Bria and there's a big topic going around at the moment about hiring salespeople in in locations that are different to where your headquarters from and um Asaf's got uh some great experience um, around that learning cultures and hiring processes in those locations but before we get into that detail um information it would be great if you just want to share with the audience exactly who you are and just run through your your career year to date really sure sure absolutely so i'm i'm israeli i was born here um and uh grew up here i did live a decade of my adult life in in the uk and so i kind of have my uh feet in in both places i call uh, london my second home um i'm a father of two school boys and my my career started uh basically in the military so i uh, i spent uh, eight years as a helicopter pilot uh, in the Israeli Air Force, um, and I was also a flight instructor instructor in the IAF uh, Flight Academy. So I was teaching flight cadets how to fly and how to you know prepare and, and run and manage a mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that still affects my kind of late late career and my management uh, uh, kind of type of uh, of attitude. Um, then at the age of 26, I, I left the military and went to uni, mm-hmm. uh, where I studied computer sciences. A- and then my kind of the second part of my career started as a software developer. I also moved to the UK at that stage. Yeah. Uh, I, I was newly wed and, uh, there was a nice, uh, offer from, uh, London based, uh, startup and both me and my wife love London and the UK. And we thought it'll be a great experience. We'll probably, you know, uh, mm-hmm. do it for two years and, and ended up staying uh, at nine. Um, I, I spent six years as a software developer, mainly in enterprise companies. So I worked for uh, Amdocs and T-Mobile. Um, and the last bit of this chapter of my career was uh, being VP R&D in, in my own startup, in a startup that I founded, co-founded with, yep. uh, with Free Partners. Um, and during that startup years, those startup years, I realized that I uh, like business development more than I like software development. And you, you know how it is in early stage startups. Every, everyone does everything. Yeah. And so I, w- I was exposed to, to this part of the business. And I, after the startup period, uh, when moving back to large companies, I basically crossed the lines and and uh, and kept uh, on with that business development side of things um, and that's the third chapter of my career really which which I'm doing for the last uh, 13 years or so um I started at uh, Playtech which is mm-hmm. a gaming software uh, company um, public company listed in, in the London Stock Exchange Playtech does uh, well, it creates games and it also creates all everything around the games and the, the management platform and the, the player network and management. You know, you have 
in certain games you have networks of, of players um, all the operation management the wallet the CRM and the, the marketing platform so um, I started as a as an account manager it's it's a it's a b2b company and yeah. uh, uh, fairly large customers I started as a as an account manager then quite quickly moved to manage the customer success in uh, in EMEA uh, from from London and and then I became a commercial director and uh, ran um, sales for most of uh, Playtex kind of strategic mm-hmm. um, uh, customers and both new business and, and existing uh, business. So with Playtech, I also went back to Israel where with with so started as a newlywed couple, came back to Israel with two with two boys. Um, and then after a few more years at uh, at Playtech, well, altogether I spent almost nine years there. Yeah, um, I I moved to a smaller kind of more b- vibrant, if you will, uh, company. I kind of felt the urge to do a bit more startupy work. Um, so I, I moved to be VP Sales at Optimove, and and Optimove is um a customer data platform. So that's kind of a CRM plus plus. You can you can call it. It's a platform that allows um, brands to include all their customer data from the various channels, and that um, that this data can be collected in. So you know if you have a fashion brand with both retail, um, um, you know, on on street shops and and online presence, you'll you'll get data from both and from your different marketing channels, feedback loops and, and all that. So you combine all of this to create an intelligence-based yeah. campaigns. Um, so th- this is uh, Optimove I've managed. In Optimove, I managed the, the gaming sector, so sales to the gaming sector worldwide. worldwide. Um, and I also opened uh, um, Optimove's APAC uh, office um, in, in, in Singapore. And and then after Optimove moved to an even smaller earlier stage uh, startup called Future Anthem, uh, which is which is a UK company. Um, I was uh, based in Tel Aviv, and I hired my team here in Tel Aviv. So kind of the vice versa of what I've done in in Playtech, and yeah. um, where where the headquarters was in Israel actually, but the um, me and my team we were um, in in London, um, and yeah, so so. Uh, Future Anthem is an AI company that uh, in real time analyzes player, again, in the, in the gaming space, player yeah. behavior. Um, and it does two things with it, or it allows the gaming operator to do two things. First um, is to um, basically improve the gaming experience by offering you know, the next thing, the next level, the next um, incentive to the, the player. Um, and the second thing it does, it uh, um, analyzes player behavior for risk. So, you know, you might have players that are showing kind of abusive behavior or compulsive uh, behavior, getting addicted. Um, so this is also a big thing now. Um, there are regulated markets which uh, in which you can't operate uh, gaming without having something like this. So uh, this is what Feature Anthem uh, did. Like I said, I ran the... I basically built the sales strategy, go-to-market, uh, and team for Future Anthem. Um, and in the last year, I've been with uh, with Bria, um, another early-stage startup uh, in the generative AI 
visual creative space, which is booming uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, we feel, really feel like we're in the beginning of a of a revolution in in this space. And um, uh, again, building the sales machine um, in in Bria. Awesome. So much to unpack uh, from that, and uh, and so much to learn. Um, I want to start with. Um, which happens to be right at the beginning, but the part that I find most exciting. Um, so you used to fly helicopters, yeah? Why mm -hmm. would you give that up? Uh, yeah, I get I get asked that quite a lot. It's 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 a it's a good question. I still dream about flying helicopters at night, to be yeah. honest. Uh, <laughs> but after after doing this for uh, for eight years, it, it does become a job. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the the military environment is such that you know you 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 need to be quite you know homogenic uh, run by the rules uh, there's not a lot of room for independence creativity and mm. um, so so and that was missing for me a little, a little bit more you know, kind of you know uh, being being able to reflect my my myself my identity um so yeah that's 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 why I left plus in Israel even when you're kind of leaving to uni and then kind of and, and then starting your career you get to fly uh you do, we do reserves um here so a pilot would normally fly like three times a month at least and um, so i did that for another um four and a half years until i okay. went to, to the uk yeah what would you say you learned the most out for your time um in learning how to to fly helicopters in the military other than the, the basics of actually learning to fly a helicopter mm -hmm. what did you learn about yourself uh, as a person at that you use now um quite a lot um flight academy really builds your personality and, and and identity it's a very very competitive um environment where you know to to, to get to it you need to pass through a lot of tests and then when you're in it you're still being tested uh, all the time and there are there's constant, you know, you need to achieve all the time and and and, and overachieve for a fairly long period. It's three years now. It used to be two years in, in my time. Um, so it make it builds kind of grit and and the ability to you know endure um, even through hard times because yeah. there will be there will always be hard times. But you know, if you can pass this the next week or the next sortie, the next flight, the next test, um. There's the the sun will shine on the other side. So um, I I think that kind of attitude of even in hard times there there will be believe in yourself and there will be better better times ahead. That's that's one thing that you learn. Um, competition and and being competitive that's also good in sales, right? So you you basically need to uh, try and reach goals all the time. Um, the ability to measure and um. And, and kind of debrief and and mm. think about you know not just paint a, a a pink picture but also think about what went wrong and how you could improve uh, next time and that's that's another thing that kind of I think anyone who had been in in the air force carries it with with them wherever their career takes them uh, that ability to um, or that it's not really an ability it's a need the need yeah. to um, stop. Uh, look back in retrospect and and do these port mortem, uh, post mortem, sorry, uh, um, uh, analysis basically. Yeah. So I think these kind of three main. 
it's it, it's quite a big thing and we've got um the red red arrows over here who are a display team um but are all elite raf pilots and one thing that they they do talk about is the the debrief after every flight um and i think coming from that military gives you that bit where you know you can do better and actually you don't mind sitting there admitting where you've gone wrong um and knowing that you are only human and that how you, that's how you get better by admitting where the uh, mistakes have been made which i think is is brilliant um so how do you go from um flying helicopters um to wanting to be a developer um I never had an urge to be to be a developer. To be honest, I, I mentioned that there's this reserves uh, thing in in the Israeli Air Force. So you get to meet as a as someone in their early twenties. You get to meet quite a lot of people uh, way above your age and work yeah. with them, and sometimes even kind of manage them and command um, them. So I, I used to fly with a lot of people who were in the, the high high tech. Uh, industry and uh, back then the early startup Israeli startup uh, industry um so I, I got to know that type of of environment and I knew I want to be there um I also knew that I probably won't be this you know software hardware guru who who, who basically goes deep into you know a piece of of the you know that dives deep into coding and, and yeah. things like that but i did realize that in order to to be successful to understand the business um to manage people and 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 processes you need to start from the grassroots and you need to understand the the bits and bytes and, and that what that's that's yeah. why i went to, to study that yeah i'd like to to jump forward to when you move to the uk because i think this is quite a pivotal part of why i think the conversation for yourself is going to be so great when you arrived in the uk had you ever been here before had much experience about the culture and the people i've been few i've been there a few times before and um i've uh, i've got family um in in the uk as well it's I, I would say i've probably been in london you know four or five times before we moved yeah. we moved I, I did know, you know, people know about the, the British culture quite a lot. Looking at the last two, three weeks, yeah. uh, you can see how much people around the world are are uh, interested in that. And to those of, our, of us who hear us uh, later in the year, maybe yeah. we'll, I, I just mentioned that because of the, the passing of the, of the Queen and, yeah. you know, the transition to the new uh, monarch. Um, so I, I did know quite a lot about the, the British, um, I would say, kind of pop culture. Uh, not not a lot about the uh, more of the pro professional uh, yeah. maneuvering. Let's call it, let's call it. Um, but but yeah. Um, so I I didn't feel at home when when I arrived, but I had quite a you know a solid no idea. Of yeah yeah. So what, if anything, surprised you the most about the the way things operate from a professional standpoint? So when you, you started working at this, this new job, was there anything that stood out that was different to how things are uh, when you were working in, um, in Israel? It, firstly, the, the, what hit me first was the multiculturalism. Yeah. You know, even, even understanding how to pronounce names and yeah. um, you know you get to to work in an english uh firm um it's the first time you meet people with 
Indian uh, names, you know, Persian uh, uh, names, uh, Chinese names, even yeah. Irish Irish names are, are the, the hardest, I think, to kind of, you see an email, you don't really know what's what's that person, how do you pronounce the person's name? Um, so um, yeah, that, that that's what hit me first. Um, and then I guess the, you know, during uh corridor uh, and and the uh, and coffee point talks uh, the um the subtle sarcasm um the um the fact that you you do need to you know being direct um it, it isn't acceptable all the time and you yeah. do need sometimes to walk your way into the topic um in in the kind of in a more delicate uh, way sports yeah okay the the you need to you need to have a football team right yeah. you it would help if you know something about cricket and rugby yeah um and and uh, and horse racing maybe as well yeah. so so yeah all, all of that i guess uh, in the first uh, in the first few months yeah yeah um so the bit that you hit on there about um picking your moment as to when to be direct um from an israeli culture being direct is something that is acceptable and is something that is done on a daily basis how long did it take you to work out when was the right time to be direct and when was the time to kind of hold back a little bit um, I think I was quite cautious uh, from from the outset, um, so I didn't stumble uh, too too many times. I definitely wasn't uh, kind of an elephant in a china yeah uh, shop, um, and also I had a couple of friends already working Israeli friends already working in the UK that kind of gave me a crash course. But so, so but I did I did see other Israelis in, uh, in the work environment uh, doing um, some kind of being too direct um, yeah. or, or making fun of things that, you know, would be acceptable um, in Israel and would, uh, wouldn't would be acceptable in in the UK or in a multicultural environment anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, th and that that's something that I kind of saw throughout my my time in the UK and even after my time in the UK because I did continue working uh, with uh, um, English and international customers and teams um so uh yeah if, if you ask me personally I think I I was quite uh kind of delicate and cautious from uh from the first uh, few days yeah. um but but I did see a lot of other uh other people stumble and fall yeah. So um, while you were living in the UK, did you hire developers and then salespeople later on? No. So when I was a software developer, I um, and also during my startup days, I didn't hire in the UK. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have kind of uh, direct uh, reports there in the startup. My direct reports were actually in, in Israel. Yeah. Um, it's only when I moved to, to Playtech that I started hiring. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, I started hiring, hiring quite fast, actually. Let's jump straight to that, to, to that hiring. How valuable was your experience of living in the UK to doing a hiring process to hire in the UK? It's, uh, I would assume, I didn't think about it, but I, I would assume um, quite important. So it's, 
like during during our uh, our conversation now, I realized that uh, it's only you know like four years after moving to UK that I needed to hire my first uh, hire in, in the UK, and I I already felt very much at home, you know, and had a lot of experience working uh, with um, people from various uh, you know cultures and and traditions and and walks of life, and even you know various types of English level. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I I think it was quite natural. Yeah. Then it wasn't. It wasn't weird for me. Right? So when you're interviewing for a um, a salesperson in Israel against a pers uh, a salesperson um, in the UK, what are the differences on how you handle those interviews? So I would handle them quite the same. Um, the um, like I said, I, I would like to find similar um, traits. There are things that um, in Israel you kind of already know from the person's uh, background again especially um the the most people here do a military service for at least two and a half years yeah. so um by um looking at their kind of um, credentials from the military you, you know quite a lot of things about uh, about them what's missing in israel by the way in terms of uh, sales is um there's there's no real sales academy here. You yeah. don't yeah, you don't learn sales in in, yeah. in the uni, um, and it's a fairly young um, part of the of, of the tech organization here. So when you when you're looking for talent in Israel for sales talent in Israel, you need to dig a bit uh, deeper into you know kind of there. They'll have probably less experience in sales. So you need to be to dig a bit deeper into the character. People have been doing sales and tech sales for decades, experience with kind of more, you know, a, a deeper kind of past to, to dive into. So yeah, I'll these are the and I don't know whether anxious is the right word to um to use to describe it, but when you're hiring in Israel, um and you can go to the military to get a reference. It's a pretty solid reference for the person, particularly when you're looking about character and in sales, the character I believe is a, is, is a huge, huge part. Do they have a good character? Um, are they coachable? You can get this information from the military um, about these people. Um, so how anxious do you feel when you're interviewing for somebody outside of this? How do you try and test for it? to make sure that you are getting that person. Yeah, um, so uh, firstly, you won't, in, in Israel, just uh, clearing that point, uh, you, you probably won't get any information from, from the military itself. You'll, you'll fr from what you know about certain military roles, and if that yeah. person had, had been in that role, it that tells you something about them. You could obviously get references yeah. In, the, uh, in the UK, and not just in the UK, actually, anywhere, including uh, Israel, I would um, try to search for uh, certain characteristics yeah. uh, in, in, in salespeople. And the way to find these, I'll, I'll touch them in a minute, but the way to find them is sometimes it is not by interview, but rather by uh, giving that person a task and... Yeah. Um, and 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 seeing how they deal with that uh, task and what they come back with and how they present it, so I I tend to do this type of exercise for uh, anyone I uh, hire for sales and for customer success as well. By the way, um, slightly differently, but 
uh, also in addition to the interviews, we do this kind of assignment where um, the person needs to go do some resent what they built to a crowd of you know two, three, or, or four people. Um, this tells me a lot about uh, about the person. Uh, most often reveals things, qualities, and sometimes um, uh, problems that uh, cannot be revealed in an interview. And what I'm looking for in salespeople is uh, a. Um, I, I think first and foremost, they need to be team players. Um, I, I know that there's this, you know, uh, lone wolf, uh, amazing performer, salesperson uh, um, type. Um, I don't like those. Um, and even if they're a top performer, um, I'd, I'd any day I'd prefer someone who is a team player and performs slightly less than um, than, than than that character. Um, I think they need to have grit. Yeah. Um, I think they need to be curious. Um, and um, I think they need to be, for lack of a better word, uh, brave. So yeah. kind of have the audacity to to ask the right question, um, even even if it's a, a bit direct, even if it's uh, you know if it, the you're not sure what the answer would be, um, and all of these traits uh, are well. You, you, I I love being asked questions by. Yeah. Um, a candidate so I, I kind of uh, I put a lot of emphasis on this I always allow some time like you know at least 10 minutes for the candidates questions um, and uh, it, it can be a fascinating discussion um, but but this type of uh, exercise that I've that I've mentioned uh, shows me uh, grit shows yeah. me curiosity um, it shows obviously the presentability of, of the person um, answering questions in front of three people is very different from answering questions in front of one person. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I tend to do that anywhere, I, like whether it's in Israel or in the UK or elsewhere. Like it. And, and do you have a particular scorecard that you use to measure people's answers? No. No, okay. got 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 feeling. It's you know, two people could answer, um, could provide the same answer in terms of content, but they yeah. could deliver it in a very different uh, way. So, um, yeah, no, no scorecards. Interesting. And so, once people are are uh, you you've selected your um your talent, how do you manage particularly people that are not um in Israel? I think there's probably more remote working that goes on outside of um, Israel. Uh, I know in Tel Aviv now there is actually quite a big hybrid movement that's going on, which, you know, from, from my side, it's great to see. But as you built towards this before, what were your touch points with the UK against your touch point with the people in, um, in, in Israel? Yeah. Um, so first of all, um, as much FaceTime as, as possible. And, you know, we do have those tools today in, in uh, video conferences, uh, which was less available, it was available, but much less available um, when I started to, to manage remotely back back in the, when I was in the UK. But but today I'm a big believer of, of FaceTime. I'm, yeah. so, so my, my staff outside of Israel, 
Um, we have, uh, at the moment, it's, I have a, a small team, so I can still do that um, on, on a personal level. We have our weeklies, which are normally uh, one hour. But we also we also try to have, you know, at least, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes uh, of FaceTime every day um, to kind of catch up. There's always stuff to, to talk about. And even on this, like looking at the person and seeing if they're, you know, if they're happy today, if there's yeah. if there's a bit of attention stuff that you don't definitely don't see in text yeah. um, in emails. Um, so, um, yeah, FaceTime is uh, is important. We try to have a structured, um, you know, uh, meeting. So I mentioned the, the weekly meeting. I have a, a fortnightly team mm -hmm. uh, meeting so so that people, you know, it's not just me meeting uh, uh, my uh, direct reports. It's also kind of peers uh, uh, meeting each other. Um, and, um, and, and also trying to really meet in person at least once a quarter. Yeah. Um so you mentioned some key um, characteristics that you that you look for, um, and I think you know um, resilience, coachability, curiosity. That you say, I think that's a, that's a really big one. But what would you say the the, the key, or, or would you say the the culture for your sales team in Israel is culturally the same in the UK, or are there big differences or subtle differences? I think the main, well, there are definitely differences, and and I think the main one is the the need to to be together in an un, uh, I would say less formal environment, uh, which which you would find in in Israel. So you mentioned that there's a big hybrid uh, movement here, which is yeah. which is I think very different from what you guys have in in the UK at the moment, and definitely what's happening in the US. The US is almost solely remote still, yeah. um, and you know a lot of companies have declared that it would it would stay like this uh, for for forever. Yeah. And um, and in the UK, I think that going back to the offices is much much slower, um, than it is in Israel. And people tend to come, you know, uh, maybe once a week, and you know, not not everyone. Um, in Israel, the 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 you know once the office doors have have opened there's been kind of a flood of people yeah. going back back to the office uh wanting to meet each other definitely the younger yeah ones, the, you know the, the people with our families maybe that felt or feel quite alone when they work um at home um so there there is that culture of um, um you know uninformal communication flow um you don't need you don't want to set up meetings with yeah. with people you just want to speak with them you know when when you finish the call or they're or, or they are available um so so you have that that in as well um and i think that's uh, the the main difference um the other difference which is kind of the the flip side of it is that i think um there's less the less efficiency yeah um, so people are I would say, but my sales teams uh, worldwide are normally more organized than uh, the the people in Israel. So they have like there's a system, and the system is kept strictly. Yeah. If you were speaking to a a founder or a sales leader who was about to embark on their first hiring outside of Israel, if you're looking at the UK or, or North America, what advice would you give them on selection? and managing those people 
So if, if, if it's an Israeli founder hiring um, abroad, I would say try to hire either either an Israeli abroad, right? Yeah. Or, and that's difficult to find sometimes, um, someone who has worked for an Israeli company before, mm -hmm. right? So an English person or an American who has worked for an Israeli company, that's slightly easier to, um, to find or get a really good uh, local recruiter to to kind of will do the buffering for you and find yeah. the right persona that that can work with uh, uh with with israelis especially if the entire company is here and you know you don't have a plan to open a team there in, in, anytime soon so that's interesting so what advantages does a israeli founder or sales leader have by hiring someone who has worked for an Israeli company before. What are you looking for there that's going to help them? Oh, they they know that um, there's going to be a mess. Yeah, and um, we have we have a you know, few words for mess in uh, in Hebrew. The most kind of uh, the known one is balagan. Balagan is uh, everyone who works for an Israeli company know, knows what balagan is. Um, there's going to be a mess, and there's going to be directness and. Uh, there um will people will appreciate directness as well from yeah. from you um and uh, and expect you to kind of definitely not sugarcoat uh, things for them there's a whole lot of things in the israeli culture uh, i would say in any culture that someone who had worked for a company from that culture is uh, experiencing i i'm uh, have a friend um who is a vp sales in a in a danish He's an Israeli. He's a, yeah. he's, a, he's VP sales in a Danish company, um, and he experiences very very different problems yeah. or kind of challenges, let's say, um, very different culture. Uh, but yeah, he you know he he also feels the same. He feels that he needs to change a bit for the role. He needs yeah. to change a bit for the founders. Um, what was the hardest learn you picked up through hiring people um, outside of Israel? Well, I, I, I did have some really, I, I did make some really big mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I had to cut my losses. Uh, the ability to, to read people in the same way that you mm -hmm. do when you hire in your kind of own culture. Um, so while enjoying the the diversity um of of the talent in in london um and boy my team you know we were from around 15 i think different nationalities yeah, no um right. so so but but you do have you know the every, every now and then uh, you do encounter someone that you know they are different from you in the in the interview process. You understand that they are different from you, but it, but it's fine because you know everyone's different, and you know you shouldn't be biased, and you should be very open to to different cultures. Um, and sometimes you just didn't read it right. You know, it's 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 the it's it's a person that probably would have been, uh, kind of measured correctly, if they were interviewed in their own homeland yeah or, or culture but you, you yeah you've made it wrong 
interesting this has been a really great conversation um i uh, i know you've got uh, still a pat schedule to uh, to get through today before i let you go um i have interrogated you with a, a number of questions i uh, always give you the opportunity if you have a question you've always wanted to ask a recruiter um any information you want this is your uh, opportunity to uh to ask me anything about recruitment yeah so it's actually on on the, on the same note of your last question maybe People tend to love people similar to them, right? And uh, in in my experience as a flight instructor, even back in my time as a flight instruct instructor, there we always had to kind of beware of the bias of kind of preferring uh, people just because they are more more similar to us or like minded. Um, and my my question is: do, in the recruitment process, how do you avoid um, that that bias? Um, and and actually, maybe there are two questions here. Yeah do you actually need to avoid that that bias so what it comes down to is when you're looking to hire uh, and this is where um a lot of leaders uh, make the mistakes um is actually looking about what you want to hire rather than what you need to hire and identifying the persona of what success looks like and you build the characteristics and the person around that and then you go out to market um so it might be that the persona of of you works really well and you you want more of those now you, what you kind of want if you're building a team is you want actually kind of different types of characters um so if everybody's the same um then you might not learn anything new um so um so so yeah so really understanding what it is that you that you want to hire rather than um need to hire rather than wants uh, and then we bring that all in and we start building out the 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 persona of someone that of what success looks like in a person with a role. And then the other way to get around that is which I touched on um, with you is the scorecards. And there was a Harvard did a um, did a study on it. And you've got a one in five chance of of hiring with big success if you don't use a scorecard because you become biased. So when you use a scorecard and you're looking at the key attributes, so you're looking for someone who's coachable, um, resilient, um, and you've got set questions that you ask to find those and then you mark them and you score them because salespeople, you can go on a journey with them and you like them and you get bought into it. And then before you know it, you're hiring someone that you like rather than someone that's going to be good at what you're going to do. So to avoid all of that, um, a scorecard will enable you to actually have, and it's like everything, right? Great sales is about science, math, and art. Okay. Now, I think in, in my personal opinion, I think you can be good to great by having just the science and the maths in behind it. I don't think you can be good to great if if art is where you sit because mm -hmm. there's not much else ar around it. So if you're hiring someone based on art, then it becomes a challenge. So that's where the scorecard for me is, is fundamentally a, um, a way of being able to sit down and, and, and analyze properly whether that person matches and your questions are set against the persona that you've set out in the beginning to say, right, this is what we want to hire. How do we identify from the CVs that we have that this person matches it, and then we score them as we um, as we go along? That yeah, brilliant. I'll uh, I'll try that out. Yeah, nice. 
this has been a great conversation with you. I think it's, it's been a fascinating experience. And um, and the fact that you've uh, flown helicopters is, uh, I'm just going to be jealous for the rest of the time. But, uh, but look, um, I'll let you get back to your um, to the rest of your day. But thank you very much for coming on and, um, and sharing with us your knowledge and experience. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there who will be listening to that and taking on board a lot of uh, what you've done um, and how they might go about it. Thanks very much, uh, James. Really appreciate it. And I love your podcast. So uh, yeah, keep on keep on doing more episodes.